Hello, and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith, and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 51. This week, my guest is Heidi Swain, and she'll be telling us about her feel-good romance, so stick around for the interview section. Um, So, at my desk this week, well, at my desk this week, you probably remember, or maybe not, um, about last week I said I had a massive tidy up in order to try and get over the... I I kind of had a bit of a reluctance to get to work, which is unlike me. On the whole, I'm pretty busy and, uh, you know, I'm up and at it every morning. I'm, I'm straight in here doing, you know, even if I'm not actually writing, I'm doing other indie author stuff. Uh, but I had a bit of a bit of a hiatus and I couldn't kind of get on. Anyway, having had a big tidy up and it is, you know, it's still tidy a week later. It's pretty good. Uh, I, I do feel I need a, another proper overhaul and really, really clear the cupboards out and perhaps decorate and stuff like that. But um, not that notwithstanding, it is a lot better. But my problem is notebooks. Now, I don't know about you, but as a writer, I get through a lot of notebooks. And as an artist, I also get through a lot of notebooks because I have like blank page ones where I kind of constantly doodle and draw little bits and pieces. And and the thing is with them, I'm very reluctant to throw them away. So therefore, there are, there are stacks of them, literally stacks of them in here. And I keep looking at them thinking they really need to be chucked. And I very rarely go back and go over old notebooks once once they're not actually in use. The one I'm using is the one I'm looking at, if you see what I mean. And then once they're not in use anymore, I don't I don't really go back and and go through and check it and or use it again. So ah, oh, you know, but then they need throwing out. But then I don't know. There's something in the back of my brain that makes me feel that the one notebook I throw away, I will be convinced it had, I don't know, a paragraph that I wrote or a drawing that I did or an idea that I wrote down that I'm going to really need in the future so I find it really hard to to throw them away I mean what needs doing is I need to actually take the stack of notebooks give myself a couple of hours and just go through the darn things in order to decide whether they are actually containing anything useful that I might use in the future or whether they really are just scrap paper and need to be chucked out. And that's the other thing. I mean, how do you dispose of them? I'm kind of a bit funny about anybody getting hold of my stuff, you know. Um, so, you know, would you burn them? Would you shred them? You know, that that's that's another job in itself, you know, because most of them are on ring binders and some of them are fancy hardback ones. Yeah, so it, it is a really tricky thing getting rid of old notebooks. I'm very careful to keep um, kind of early drafts of things and um, definitely drawings. I always keep, uh, you know, uh, sketches of odds and ends that I've got in order to prove that it is my work. Because I think in this digital age where everybody claims that they can do everything and they can do it digitally and all the rest of it. You know, I have seen bits and pieces of my stuff around over the years and thought, mm, I know I drew that. You know, so so I do, you know, keep keep little bits of like that for evidence should I ever need need it. Um, I hope I don't. But yeah, so it's very hard. How do you get rid of them? Do you get rid of them or do I just find a place where I can keep them indefinitely and stack them up in the loft and buy a crate or something? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, let me know what you do. You know, are you a notebook person or do you just have... I mean, I do know authors that write and they, you know, keep all those bits and pieces and they have it on paper, you know, sheets, loose, loose sheets. And then, you know, when the project's done, they chuck it all away, which is probably quite a nice, tidy way of going on. And I suppose you could just keep one or two sheets of paper that you think are really useful. 
Oh, I don't know. I, I'm very attached to the notebook. So anyway, so let me know. What do you do? Do you chuck them out? Do you keep them? <laughs> if you chuck them out, what do you do? Um, and as usual, you can find me on social media. I'm pretty much on everything. Stick in DJ Bermond Smith. You'll find me if you want to talk to me across there. And there's also a little page on um, Podbean, which is the host for the Words of Pictures podcast. And it ha- it's, there's a little podcast page on, if you go on Podbean, you'll find it. And um, <clears throat> you can find the, the, the Words and Pictures podcast has its own little page on there and there's a place that you can comment should you want to or not it's entirely up to you but if you want to tell me about your notebook situation i'd really like to hear um yes anyway enough about this that's me trying to sort out the notebooks and um what else i've been doing well i'm carrying on doing the drawings for midwich one and um i'm about halfway through actually um it's quite a big job making a little chapter drawing for every single chapter in the book it's not a massively long book, coming in about just under 80,000 words. And there's about 30 chapters there, I think, you know. So it's not a massive piece of work. It's not like some of my other stuff, which is a lot longer. Um, but anyway, even so, what what's that saying? Art takes time. It surely does. Anyway, I'm nearly there. So happy days. Anyway, come and meet Heidi Swain, lovely lady. This week on the Words and Pictures podcast, my guest is Heidi Swain. She writes feel-good romance. So hello, Heidi, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for inviting me along today. Well, it's lovely. It's lovely to see you. Now, obviously, just before people come on, I get on the websites and I have a look at your Amazon page. And I, I was just really struck, Heidi, by how incredibly cheerful your book covers look. They are so pretty. And then I, when I was looking, I thought, oh, my God, one of these is on my TBR pile. I've actually got... Um, the Winter Garden, Love in the Winter Garden or something. And it's a Winter Garden. That's right. Yeah. Winter yeah. Garden. That happens to be on my thing. It was going to be a Christmas read. I don't think I quite got around to it, but I, I will definitely get around to it. Um, but how lovely to have those lovely, cheerful, cheerful covers. Um, they just make me feel happy just looking at them, make me want to read your stuff. Um, what would you say defines, apart from that cheerful cover, what would you say defines a feel good romance? Oh, well, I don't know. There's so much involved with a feel-good romance. I feel it's quite difficult to kind of narrow it down too much. Um, For me, a feel-good romance has more than just the romantic thread running through it. It's an important part of the book, but also within my books, there are other things that I feel are equally as important. The relationships between other characters. I always have a strong female dynamic in all of my books, Um, That might be an intergenerational relationship. It might be friends who are of a similar age. Um, So friendship, that's something that's really important. Strong sense of community runs through lots and lots of the books as well. You mentioned the Winter Garden there. That's one of the Nightingale Square books. Um, So that is a community set around a little green in the middle of a city. And they have a communal um, community garden which is the thing that kind of brings them brings them together um, and there's lots of celebrating of different things as they go throughout the year it's not all about the gardening and so that strong sense of community I feel is really important as well um, and setting setting is a huge thing in my books I like a really strong sense of place um, so I think all of those things are, are really important you know so you have got that main romance between the two leading characters 
but you've got so many more things going on in the background. Because mm. I think I think even in real life, romance doesn't stand on its own, does it? It's it's you know it is a it's it's a wider thing. You know when you when you fall in love, you fall you know it, it can be a it's an all encompassing experience. It's it's where you are at the time. It's it's how old you are. You know how how you feel about life. You know where you are in your head. You know as well as all those other things. And I think yes, if you bring yeah. bring that in, it makes it more real for the reader. I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So what? Why do you write romance particularly? Are you a hopeless romantic, Heidi? Well, <laughs> I think to be honest that I wanted because I've always wanted to write. Always. Always. And I wanted to write the kind of books that I love to read. So it feels, you know, it feels very self-indulgent, really, to, to sit here and, and do this for a living. Um, so that that's what it came down to. And yeah, you know, at the end of the day, those those relationships with each other, that's what life boils down to, isn't it? It, it? really, it really is. Yeah, it really is. I, I think that's that's that you've said it really which we just close it there Love that. Love that. <laughs> and thank you thank you for listening to the words and pictures podcast <laughs> this is it heidi's nailed it exactly but it but it really is because actually i i read across many genres as many people do um but but the, the books that work whether it's a horror or whether it's a, whether it's a fantasy or children's book even uh, if the relationships between the characters feel authentic then that's what makes it happen yeah. I think and it makes yeah. you carry on reading makes you get to the end because you want to find out what happens um are your books do they always have um do you do you follow certain characters through you know are they written in series or are they each book is a standalone but they follow similar characters so um so at the moment we've got three series we've got the Wimbridge series which is set in the fens nightingale square which is set in norwich and winmouth which is set at the seaside and they have all got their own set of characters um but they can all be read as standalone titles because each book features a different main character and their story more mm. often than not that's somebody new coming into the area occasionally it might be a character who I've written about in a previous book and has then continued to tap me on the shoulder and go I want a book what about me yeah um, so we've got those three series but then we've got the book lovers retreat which came out in April which was my first standalone read mm. so that has that's set in the Lake District and features three characters who go off on a book-based retreat to the Lake District for the entire summer they've fallen in love with a book which has been made into a film and they can stay at the cottage uh, where the film was actually filmed. So, uh, you know, that was an exciting project. That was an exciting thing to do. So even though the other books are series books, you can still read them without having read the others first, because, as I say, you will be picking up a brand new story in each one. If you have read them all, that's wonderful, because you've got the background knowledge and you will have built up who these people in the town are, um and various characters will pop up who have been in other stories before but it's not it's not um a requirement that you have to have read them in order um and you can just you know you can dip in and out so when you have your because uh, a lot of listeners to the podcast are, are in america so are these real places in the uk that you that you set your books in or are they like real places that you've made up um, so predominantly, they're all in my head. 
So yeah. Winbridge, for example, this little Fenland it town. It sounds is, so real, I had to ask. I, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's based on a childhood town where I lived. But, um, you know, I will bring in, I don't want to make something entirely uh, based in reality because that can be quite restrictive. Mm. So, for example, Nightingale Square is set in the city of Norwich and I do take my characters into the city and they do take part in various activities that really happen in the city. But I wanted the actual place where they lived to be fictitious. So then I have got the freedom of, you know, putting in what I want and people not coming back to me and going, oh, well, I know that area and that's not there. You yeah. know, so it's kind of it, it's a bit of both, really. Yeah, it's artistic license, isn't it? And I, yes. and I think if you know if you know a place well, you know, like like parts of England, you could you can invent somewhere. Funnily enough, the thing that my work in progress, I've I've set it in a fictitious place that is so like round where I live. <laughs> you know, it could almost be here, really. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think I think you can just and it's it's funny how um, I think a lot of place names in England are very kind of similar, really, and it's very easy to invent one. That, and, and I know when I looked at your 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 work and your website and your bits and pieces, and I, and I thought, oh, so this is set in, and you're calling it Winbridge, and, and I'm thinking, have I been there? Yeah, yeah <laughs> do I know yeah. Winbridge? And I kind of feel like I do. The, yeah, you know, you've got the right place name, like a character's name, really. Just yes. when it clicks and it it's starts absolute. to fit. Yes, uh, and so many people message me, so many readers get in touch and say. I think I know where that is, you know, yeah. and they might identify like um, the Norfolk coastline is beautiful. And for the village of Winmouth, I've incorporated probably about half a dozen of my favourite Norfolk seaside villages in there. And people yeah. go, oh, I know that street. I know which town you were thinking of when you included that. And, yeah. and you know, readers like that. They like that identity, that little yeah. bit of kind yeah. of, it feels like their ownership of the story. Yeah. And also, I think people that, that are abroad uh, quite like to read, you know, stories that are set in England, you know, uh, and, and they and they even though these places are made up, they are still very quintessentially of Britain. And I think yes. that's I think that's great. Yes. fun. Yes. 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 Almost more more real than it's like a Disney. Quite. Yeah, more real than we can put in we can put in all our sort of our favourite things. Can't yes. We? The tea we room, the little that. bookshop, all those little bits yes. and pieces. Yeah. 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 Happy days. So I see that you're um, published uh, by Simon and Schuster. How mm -hmm. long have you been with them and what are they like? Are I they, have they... been I have been with them for the entirety of my right. publishing journey so um they had what they call their one day hashtag one day um so once a year they will open their inbox to an unsolicited manuscript mm -hmm. and you can submit and if they like it they get back in touch and say the magic words we'd like to offer you a two book deal which was what happened to me back in 2014 um so i initially had a digital first deal with them so the first two books came out as ebook only um, to begin with. And then because they sold well, they came out in paperback as well. And going forward, everything is now released simultaneously, ebook, paperback, audiobook. Yeah. Um, and today, as I'm sitting here this morning, I'm now planning book 18. Yes. So yeah. That's um that's sort of eight, nine years work. And it's been it's been full on publishing two books a year. One in the summer and one at Christmas. And um, the team at Simon's just are amazing. They're wonderful to work with. I've got a great agent as well. And um, it always feels as if we are very much part of a team. It's a collaborative 
effort. You know, you mentioned the covers right at the beginning of the yeah. interview. Pip Watkins is the person who has created those right from the start. Um, and I feel as if they really have sort of nailed down my vision right from book one. Um, and yeah, and so the, most of the people that I've been working with, I've been working with throughout the whole of my published career, which is just wonderful. Yeah, well, that's nice. And I think, especially for the covers, I think you can, I can always, well, because I, I do a bit of art and I can always tell if the cover artist has changed with somebody. I can I can see how it's that's that's slightly different. Even if they've used the same typeface, I can think mm, this is a different a different hand in here. A because different it, take just, on it. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's and that's why I think those all look of absolutely of a piece because obviously Pip's done a brilliant job and they yeah. and they are her that, you know, the same pair of eyes the same pair of hands the same imagination has gone into making those which is why they look um I mean she must be delightful because I just looked at those and they just made me smile I just thought yeah how pretty are those they're just lovely they're yeah. wonderful I mean I've yeah. got them I've got I know we won't be going visual with the podcast but I've got them stacked up in series order behind me and yeah. now I've got them here as well it's just they're just really nice to see because if you're having a tough day and the words don't want to come out of the end of your fingers I can sort of turn around and look at those bookshelves and think, look, I've done this all yes. these times before. And the end result is wonderful. And I and I will get there. And sometimes I think we need that little reminder if we're having a day where it's not going quite as well as we would like it to. Um, but even when we've changed the um the branding slightly, we've changed the font or whatever. I look at the two books, so I'll look at the last one and then the new one, and I'll think it's still it's different, but it's still me. And that I think is really important because your readers get to know what you look like and what they are going to expect between the, you know, between the covers of a Heidi Swain book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and I think also, um, it, uh, I think Pip's done a good job because things slightly change in the book cover thing. You know, yes. what what worked what worked sort of ten years ago and was absolutely on point is yeah. is slightly different ten years later. And you know, and so you have to kind of just tweak those fonts and you have to just the colours particularly have a different thing again. You know, yeah. and, and and the way that you know the little graphic characters are. You know, so so I think it's you've got to yeah. have somebody who's on who's up absolutely with, up with the with the fashionable look of it yeah absolutely. yes and I think yeah. that's the that's the same with the uh, with the titles as well yeah you know the titles have changed a lot since I was first published we've got a couple of well, no, actually we've got three or four Christmas books that have got really long titles and um, we kind of got to the point right we need to change that we want to change that we need to make it shorter snappier um so yeah and that's the that's the wonderful thing about working with Simon and Schuster we do all that as a team yeah, nice. Yeah, it's good. And and I think what whatever you're doing, you know, you know, I'm I'm a tradition I'm a um an independently published author, but I still have a team with me, if you know what I mean. Yes. I mean, I do my own artwork, but I, you know, I've got my editors and my proofreaders and things like that. And you, if you've got some good people beside you, that that kind of makes it all work out whichever way you're bringing your books into the world. Yeah, 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 yeah I agree. Happy days. Yeah. yeah. Happy days. Uh, so, so you're bringing the books out, the books coming out in audio. And I think audio is the next big thing, which I still haven't got around to. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the nice thing about being traditionally published is there are somebody, there are, there are the people to go, oh, we're doing this with it. Yes. And you can think, oh, yes. thank God, on you go then. So you haven't <laughs> had to have to sort of pick out voices or any of that. Do, do you get any say in it at all or, or does it just happen? Yeah, no, we, um, I can't remember which was the first one that was recorded in audio. They are all out in audio now, but obviously we started with one further into the further into the list. 
and I was sent um I was sent a few kind of samples people's Wait, voices yeah, yeah and, a, and a kind of like a, a biography of what they'd done um and a little bit about them and I, I was able to pick from that and that, that was really nice that I was given that choice um so I went for a lady called Karen Cass and she is hugely popular um people are always messaging me and telling me how much they enjoy her her interpretation of what I've written and um I have had Karen for all of the books even the new standalone we did kind of have a very brief discussion about whether we should ring the changes with it being a standalone and have a different rate and I was like oh, I want to stick to Karen because everybody loves her everybody yeah. recognizes her voice in my books and um yeah so we, we've you know we've carried on yeah and I think I think that's a, a really clear thing as well you you get to like a somebody's narration style and and the tone of their voice and all that kind of thing and and I yeah. think it I think it really really works and also I think the audio it's it's amazing how the audio book business has become so much more mainstream yes. uh, in such a short time I'm I, you know I'm always you know always thinking that I must get on and do that side of my thing as well but uh yeah I think it's you know people could commute we, we're in cars we're yeah. doing whatever yeah. You know, and uh, I love it for a boring task. You know, if I've got to clean the house or something, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, you know it's I, just nice people, to have that. A lot of people tell me that I tend to for my boring tasks that, that it tends to be working stuff out. That's what I'm doing in my head while I'm well, occasionally ironing. I'm not going to set myself up here as a big ironer because that would be an outright lie, and I don't do fibs. So <laughs> on the occasion when I get the iron out and I'm doing some ironing, that's when I'm thinking about things. Um, and I and I take a walk every day. And actually, yesterday afternoon I had an extra walk, and that really helped me with something I've been puzzling over for this new book planning. So um, yeah, so my kind of my walking time and my boring tasks time, I'm I'm in my own head. And yeah, thinking, thinking, plot things through. Yeah, well, I, I've got. Well, we've just met the whippet that sat on the thing behind me. Uh, whippets like to sleep a lot, and sometimes if I feel I need an extra walk, if I'm trying yeah. to work something out, I, you have to wake the whippet up. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like really i was i was quite comfortable that she'll sort of come out very slowly you know. she, yeah, she, with you. she's fine once she gets going but to start with she's like really we've done this we don't need to do that again till this evening but, but yes that. yes walking is brilliant for having a think there's nothing mm. there's nothing like it yeah absolutely sometimes i listen to music but mostly i just like to mooch and just let my mind go where it yeah. will yeah, I categorise my walks. There are two sorts of walks. I, I Sometimes I'll have a walking, a working walk where I'm thinking things through. And sometimes it's a feeding my soul walk where yes. I'm so tuned in because it's very beautiful around here. There are lots of woods and farmland to walk through. Um, and so I go out with a specific purpose. I'm like, am I working today or am I feeding my soul? And that's the, the impetus for, you know, getting out there, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you need to have a bit of, a bit of downtime in order to let the imagination just yes. go where it go where it will. Yes. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Um, so you say you're not telling any fibs, then Heidi. So I quite often uh -oh. ask people, "What's your desk like? Are you, are you tidy? <gasps> it looks very tidy behind you yeah. <laughs> on the thing yeah. there. I've got your bookshelves, but but what's your desk like? Are you, are you, is it chaos or is it is it nice? No, and neat? it's not. It's really organised. So yeah. I am talking to you on my laptop. I've got a lamp on because the weather today here in Norfolk is appalling. Um, I have got a little box file at the back with various things tucked in. 
paper, pencil, mug, um, and hard drive. That that's it. And I need to be. I couldn't work in chaos. And I think that's kind of that's how my entire life is structured, really. Whether it's personal or professional, I'm a very tidy, organised person. So yeah, I know some people can kind of work with, you know, bits and pieces all over the place. But that's no, I can't. That's not me. And I've got a, like a book trolley next to me. And I'll have each um, each tray is organised for whichever book I'm working on. So now the top tray has been assigned the new book that I will be starting next week. And that festive feeling which comes out at Christmas, all my notes and everything are in the tray below. And then when we get back into typesetting and things, it will all be swapped about again. So it's quite organised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it's good. And I'm I'm the other way. I have I have a room that's very it's quite a busy room. It's full of lots of stuff, but I'm quite tidy and and yeah when it gets a bit a bit cluttered because things happen because I do artwork as well in here sometimes I look and I've got paints out and I've got stuff everywhere and then I have a massive clear out and then I, and I bring it all back to I, I can't yeah. live with it very long when it's in a mess no no, no, clear no the, I have clear to have decks. it yeah. yeah yeah I have to have it tidy and, and I found that even if the rest of the house is in a mess that my office is usually quite sorted. I've always been tidy in the workplace. I had a very tidy classroom when I was a teacher. You know, yeah. I had a very, very tidy hair salon when I was a hairdresser. You know, yeah. I always that's I always interesting. Keep, yeah. yeah, I, I yeah. keep it keep keep it all nice and neat. Yeah, I I think you need um, I think it gives you more space to think. And I can't be, I like to be able to put my hand on the notebooks that I need. Yes, and the bits and pieces that I've got, I like yeah, to have absolutely. it have it to hand. Yeah, I can't be yeah. rooting through it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, do you work on one book at a time, or have you got several things in your head at once? Yeah, I would love to be able to work on one book at a time. That feels like a real luxury. But because I write two books a year, you are always at um, one part of the process with you know two of them at the same time. So at the moment, I'm kind of I'm promoting the book lovers because it's only just come out. I have just written draft two of that festive feeling, which comes out at Christmas. But I also need to be deep in my planning for summer 24 because the deadline to write that is September. So yeah. it always feels like I've kind of got three books in my head and I just have to try and compartmentalise each one. I know that my copy edit for that festive feeling will come back when I'm writing draft one of summer 24 because that always happens. And so I compartmentalise the day so I will work on the first draft in the morning copy edit in the afternoon or sometimes I might switch it around but I need I still need to be doing both of those things at the same time because there's a deadline to get the pages back for the the book that's about to come out but I also need to keep the flow going with the first draft I don't like stopping for long periods of time you know because I'll end up being one of those authors who goes back and reads the first 40,000 words again before I can carry on I don't I need keep it in my head and keep the flow going so yeah there's always more than one book so always more than one book being worked on at a time and have have you got here's, here's, yeah, here's a funny question for you okay. so have have you got a secret writing ambition so you're writing your uh you know your feel-good romance um yeah. which i imagine has the nice happy endings and things like that but but is, is there a little bit of renegade in you do, do you often do you sometimes think you might write a children's book or a horror story or do you do, do you have a little thing in the back of your head think well one of these days i'm going to write a film script or do i haven't yet I'm not going to say never say never, but I think because the last kind of almost, well, a decade now, really, when you think about writing the first one, um, 
it's just it's been so full of romance fiction and putting out two a year. I just haven't had the time to think about anything else. I read a little bit of crime. I love um uh Dr. Ruth Galloway, Ellie Griffiths. Mm -hmm. Love that series. So I've I've read those. Um I mostly read the kind of books that I write, and most of my reading now is uh, ARCs, is proofs, people keep sending me to ask for a quote. Mm. I haven't had time to sort of think about a secret writing ambition. I haven't got any at the moment, <laughs> but if there ever is a gap in the schedule, it will be interesting to see if anything starts to kind of gnaw away and make yeah. me think about you know, writing something else. So, um I can't I can't give you any gods on that one. I haven't got anything at the moment. <laughs> That's funny. I think I I well, I only ask because I write diff different stuff, you know, so so I I I write on, on different genres. So it yeah. is it is one of those things. And I think as an independently published author, you know, I'm not contracted to do anything. My book yeah. goes out when I finished, a bit like when I'm cooking dinner, it's ready when I finish cooking. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And and it it's you know it has that uh and possibly I think when you're independently published, I think you can you could almost do with somebody drawing a line in the sand and saying, Yeah, this is when this has to be done by because yes. I I probably fiddle on longer than I should. Yeah. You know, whereas I should just go right. Here we go. We'll get. Yeah. 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 I can yeah. understand that. Yeah. 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 I think. I think it's. Uh, mm, I don't know. And and also I think as creatives, I think we're kind of looking for this perfect thing, aren't we? Oh gosh, yes. You know, and so so you're yes. you're you kind of you have that idea in your head when you sit down at the keyboard and you know exactly how you want it to look, sound, feel, everything, but actually getting that out onto the screen or onto the page is, is you know, it's never going to be what you've got in your head. Uh, I, I was thinking about my planning today and all my planning is done in the third person and my writing is done in the first. And I have got thousands and thousands and thousands of words on my laptop, which is all background, which won't actually make it onto the page. However, if you're writing a book that you want to be believable, you need that knowledge you need to know why that person is that at that point in their life. You can't just suddenly plonk them there. You need all that background and, and all that history. Um, so, yeah, I've gone off tangent there, I think, haven't I? But, yeah, read no, no, it's true, though. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think, uh, I mean, I, I draw, so I have just loads of sketches everywhere on on the bit, backs bits of paper on backs Love of shopping that. lists yeah. and stuff like yeah, that yeah. Which, which is even more weird as well you know so that that kind of go and also <laughs> my work in progress I saw it oh, this is the trouble I find also what I find is um I see things and it gives me ideas and there was a guy on TikTok and he was talking about how much he loved a particular book because it had little chapter illustrations at the top of the yes. chapter and yes. I look I looked at that and I thought I could do that I could oh, do that wonderful. so easily so I started so where the, where the book should really be out last month I still haven't sent it out to the art readers because now I, I've got it into my head that I need to write I need to draw chapter illustrations yes. which I've been doing I'm about halfway through they don't even take me very long to do it's just a case of sitting down I was talking to somebody um on the podcast and I can't think which author it was which is wicked, but she was saying that uh, she was very good at writing, writing the books. Well, she didn't say that. That was, sounds a bit negative, but she said she was happy to write the books and she yes, is, very, yeah. is very good as well. But she said what she couldn't bear to do was to um, give them a title. She said, I can't do it. She said, the publishers have to decide. The editor 
easy. And then they have to have a meeting to decide what to call it. She says, I couldn't tell you what it's called. Isn't that a funny thing? I thought that was delightful. So do, do you well, have, is there any particular part of the whole process that you think this is the bit that I find the diff- most difficult? I, I'm not going to lie. Titles are a nightmare for me too. And actually the more books I've written, the harder I have found that process to be. So titles now are very often a collaborative uh, you know, it's, it's a team effort. It's a group effort. We kind of get a few titles together and see what what sticks. Um, the Christmas book, that wasn't my idea. Book lovers retreat, that wasn't my idea either. Um, that was down to the down to the team. But once you land on that title, you go, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. It's the same. Yeah. I've been fiddling about with character names this morning. I, I've told my agent and my editor what these characters are going to be called, and I'm like, if they're not, it's not right. And I don't think it's until it's right that it clicks in your head and then that person becomes more real. Yeah. Um, yeah. So titles for me are a nightmare. This um, editing, this second draft of the book that I'm working on at the moment, that festive feeling, I would say that's the hardest edit that I have done. Now, I don't know when I sit back and look at it objectively, I don't know how everybody else's 2023 is going, but actually there's been some aspects of it for me that's been absolutely shocking. It's been a nightmare. So I'm thinking, has this been a really hard edit because it's a difficult piece of work or has it been a really hard edit because of everything else I've got going on in the background that you can't, there's a, you know, there's a certain amount of it that you will bring to it as you come to sit down. Mm. So um, this edit, I would say, has been a nightmare. I'm hoping that going forward, we'll be back to fairly fairly straightforward again. So, um, so the short answer to that question is titles and the current edit. And the current edit. Yeah. The current edit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I think also your your headspace is is very important. I had a, a week, uh, the week before last. <clears throat> I had a week before last. Um, my husband was away fishing for about ten days, and I thought, oh, I'm going to get so much done, blah blah blah. But then my dog, the whippet. Uh, got sick and she had to go to the she had to have an emergency operation it was all very oh, big. No. and I was so stressed about this yeah. did I get much done Heidi no, no I didn't no. I, couldn't, I couldn't I couldn't get into this you could it's for me I need to be clear and happy yes. in order to get on yes. and if I've got yeah. something on my mind I can't concentrate on it no yeah. no I get that no. I completely get that and I live on my own now and I find that um my mum will cop it or my daughter will copy it, or any of my author friends will copy it, because sometimes you just need to say things and get it all out there rather than be at home on your own and have it stewing around in your head. It's not conducive creatively at all, is it? No, no, exactly. Yes, exactly. And I think, yeah, it's it's surprising how that... And also, I think when you're in a bad headspace moment, everything you do... I mean, I know that, especially with the drawing... And, you know, sometimes I'll like draw and do some whatever little illustration or something for whatever I'm working on. And I think, oh, well, that's absolute rubbish, you know. And then I might come across it six weeks later and think, do you know, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. It's just because yes. at that point, I was in a bad place. And so I think I'm rubbish. Whereas I, so I've learned not to delete things, I've learned to just put them to one side yes. and have a look at it later and, and blow, blow me down when I'm in a better mood I might think actually you know that, that's absolutely yeah, fine yeah. I agree with that you yeah. need that distance to create that um objectivity sometimes that yeah you need to yeah. be objective about things you need that little bit of distance I know that I've you know I've written things and I've gone I've thought oh I can't stand it I don't like it I've said to author friends and then I've given it the weekend and gone back to it and gone there's nothing wrong with that no 
exactly don't need to do anything with it it's fine you know so yeah Yeah. never have a knee-jerk reaction to anything that you've created and certainly don't delete it no yeah yeah I I I do I keep all my bits and pieces now and then and then just let let myself stew on it absolutely (laughs) what's your favorite way to connect with your readers Oh, well, I do you know what? I love social media. I know lots of people moan about it and I know it's got its really negative side as well. But I do love my social media channels. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram and I use all those platforms most days. Um, I used to thank everybody individually for sharing a tweet for me. I can't do that at the moment. So I have, and I don't like not thanking everybody personally, because I think it's, you know, it's important to say thank you. So I do a blanket tweet at the end of the day as a thank you. Um, But if anybody messages me or if anybody comments on anything that I've posted online, I'm always going to respond to that. I love that. I think that's a really nice way to connect. I also have a newsletter. Um, and that's got about 1500 subscribers now that's become really really popular yeah Yeah, people seem to be looking forward to that it's only once a month and it follows the same format every month and people are enjoying that um so yeah and also events it's so nice to be getting back out there again yeah i've been doing some library events recently i've got a library event this uh this coming friday so it's nice to meet people online but it's also nice to be able to get back out there now and, and meet them in person I think that's one of my favourite parts of the job is connecting to the readers. It's just great to have the opportunity to sit down and talk about books. It doesn't have to be my books, it can be anybody's books. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it is nice. I, I like social media. I'm I'm obviously I'm on there. And yeah. I the connections that I've made, I wouldn't be running this little podcast without those connections. Uh, because you know, that's how people you know contact me or I, or I yeah. contact them and and it's yeah. it's amazing and and also nobody would know the podcast existed without the social media you know exactly let, you yeah. know so so I think it's you know people moan but I think really you you get out of all these things what you put into it and, and if you're pleasant and you know you you try and do all these things in a positive and supportive way to others then yes it's it's usually fine I, I just bypass any nastiness I don't yeah, get involved same. in it yeah I'm the same yeah I don't I don't really see any of it on my timeline I think because I've always ignored it um yeah. but I've got the Heidi Swain and Friends Facebook book club as well um and that's run by Sue Baker and Fiona Jenkins two very enthusiastic readers we've got thousands of members in that Facebook club now and we run or I should say Sue and Fiona run um publication day parties for so many authors, mostly indie authors now, I have to say, you know, and the parties go on all day. Um, and that's lovely. That's a really nice way to be able to support other people in the industry. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a really nice, it's a really nice thing. Um, anyway, I will put all those links in the show notes for you. Um, Thank you. Um, so where can people find you online? What's your website? Um, so the website is simply heidiswain.co.uk. And you can transfer to my blog from there um, and you can sign up for my newsletter on there. Then if you just if you just search my name on all the other platforms, I will come up. I've got author pages and personal pages on Facebook. Um, I think it's Heidi underscore Swain on Twitter. Um, What am I on Instagram? Might be the same on Instagram, but if you put in Heidi Swain, I'm there. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thanks for joining me on the Words and Pictures podcast, Heidi. It was lovely to talk to you. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So lovely to talk to Heidi Swain about the feel-good romance. And always interesting to talk to people about their process and how they get through the day of writing. 
and what they need to do to you know make the writing work for them and their writing life and uh, it's ever interesting anyway next week i'm not having a guest i'm going to do a solo episode because next week is in fact episode number 52 which marks a whole year of the words and pictures podcast so it does feel like a bit of a milestone and as i've come up to this this sort of milestone episode i've realized that I have a few thoughts about the podcast that I'd like to share with you. So, you know, stick around for that next week. And um, I hope you'll have a listen to what I have to say about the Words and Pictures podcast and how I feel it's going. And uh, I'm going to get some statistics together for us and a few odds and ends and a few anecdotes besides. Okay, so that's it from me. You can find um, the show notes for the podcast on my website, which is djbowmansmith.com. You can also find uh, show notes on Podbean website. And uh, you can certainly find me also as a children's author at tigermolly.com. So, you know, have a look around and you can find me across all social media as usual. So it's been great. Uh, Another fascinating episode talking to Heidi. And I hope you'll join me next week. So I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this has been the Words and Pictures podcast. Until next time. Bye bye.